Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. A new ally has joined the fight to help Australia battle the COVID-19 pandemic, joining AstraZeneca and Pfizer in the vaccine mix. The Therapeutic Goods Administration has given provisional approval for the use of Moderna for Australians aged 18 years and over. So how does Moderna stack up against the other two vaccines? Today, we take a look at the latest weapon in the Australian war on COVID. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Australians are obsessed with which brand of vaccine they get. With the rare blood clotting side effect of the AstraZeneca vaccine now causing seven deaths here in Australia, the fear continues, despite many more people dying of COVID-19, including young people in their 20s and 30s in this latest outbreak in Sydney. It didn't help that earlier this year, several European countries stopped using the AstraZeneca vaccine for the very same reason and that our own panel of immunisation experts changed the advice on the recommended age cutoff for the higher-risk age groups, only recommending it for over 60s. But Delta has changed the playing field, with many young Aussies now rolling up their sleeves for the AstraZeneca vaccine in the past few weeks, as allowances are made for anyone over the age of 18. But while the fight has raged on between who gets AstraZeneca and who gets Pfizer, a third option has now been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, Moderna. The TGA has given provisional approval for its use in all Australians aged 18 and over, the government ordering 25 million doses, with 10 million of those expected to arrive before Christmas. A further 15 million will come as boosters in 2022. It's already being used in many countries across the world. France, Singapore, the United Kingdom and the United States have rolled it out. The US government ordering a further 100 million doses back in February to add to the 41 million doses that have already been supplied and placed into the arms of 22 million Americans. Moderna is also supplying 160 million doses to the European Union, 50 million to Japan, 40 million to Canada, 40 million to the Republic of Korea, 13.5 million to Switzerland, 10 million to Colombia, 6 million to Israel, 5 million to Taiwan, and an undisclosed number to Qatar. The first clinical batch was produced in February 2020, and the first dose was given to a trial participant on March 16 that same year. 
they recently published the results of a study that shows it maintained both binding and functional antibodies against SARS-CoV-2 variants for six months after receiving the second dose. They also named Australia as one of the potential locations to start trials on the vaccine in children under the age of 12. So who are Moderna and how does this vaccine differ to the ones we have already? Are there any new and interesting side effects we can expect from this one? Professor Thomas Price is a molecular biologist and leader of the RNA biology group at the Australian National University's College of Health and Medicine. Professor, firstly, who are Moderna? Do they have other drugs on the market here in Australia that we'd know them for? Moderna's first drug in the market is this vaccine. I think the company was founded just over 10 years ago, similar to BioNTech, the company that developed the Pfizer vaccine. These companies were formed primarily with the intent to make mRNA therapies against other diseases, for example, cancer and other major medical problems. So they used this mRNA technology to pivot and make a COVID vaccine. Can we talk about the similarities and differences between the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine? Because I understand they're both mRNA versions. Is that right? That's right. They're both mRNA vaccines and they're really highly similar. They differ in some of the technical details as to exactly how they designed the mRNA and how they deliver it. But the basic principle is the same. So what are those differences and does it make any difference in its effectiveness or how long we have to wait for our second jab? What are the differences? So basically our cells are full of mRNAs all the time that are temporary copies of instructions in our genes. And in the cells there are these little ribosomes that read these instructions in the mRNA and make the proteins that we need for life. And so an mRNA vaccine is simply an mRNA that was made in a laboratory or in a factory if it's a product. And then it's introduced into our cells to join all the other mRNAs there. And then the cells will make an introduced protein based on the instructions of that introduced mRNA. So Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech have decided to make mRNAs that have the instructions for the exact same spike protein variant of the COVID-19 virus. But exactly how they built the mRNA is a little bit different. So some of the words in the genetic code that specify this protein aren't exactly the same, but they have the same meaning. And then there are some other regulatory sequences either side of the genetic code that are also different. So it may be that that's part of the reason why the dose for the two vaccines is slightly different. So it's a 30 microgram mRNA dose for the Pfizer-BioNTech and 100 microgram for the Moderna. But to bring the mRNA into the cells, you also have to coat it into a sort of an oily coat. Scientists call that a lipid nanoparticle. And the composition of this oily coat is in part the same between the two, but in part they also use different chemicals in different lipids for this coating. So all these things can maybe mean that in the end, the effective dose, if you like, of the mRNA inside of the cells around the injection site could be a little different. And that's why they have chosen these different formulations. Can we talk about the thing that most people are concerned about with these vaccines, and that is side effects? We obviously know quite a bit about the blood clotting, the rare blood clotting associated with AstraZeneca, and we are starting to see a few cases of a heart inflammation linked to the Pfizer vaccine. Do we know of any side effects from Moderna? 
Yeah, I think there are broadly similar reports on side effects between the two mRNA vaccines. And really, mostly it's about the usual effects that a vaccination might generate. So soreness around the injection site and general feeling of, you know, battling something the day afterwards. How is the Moderna vaccine coping with the various variants that we've seen make their way around the world? I guess Delta in particular. Do we know if it's efficient in that aspect? Yes, I think they're similarly efficient against current virus variants. And another thing that is very attractive about this mRNA technology is that you can change the payload, if you like, of the mRNA very rapidly and flexibly. So if this pandemic persists and other virus variants emerge where the current vaccines are really not very effective anymore against them, then the designers of the mRNA sequence can adjust for that. And pending regulatory approval and so on, that there's a very rapid way of responding to that in terms of booster shots. And if you see how the Australian government has announced its latest purchasing strategy, they're always talking about ordering doses of the vaccine in the short term to vaccinate the population now. And then they have other orders for next year and the year after that. And they tend to label that for booster shots. And that is in part because that gives you the ability to change the exact spike protein variant that is encoded in these vaccines so that you can potentially not just boost generally the immunity of the already vaccinated population, but you can specifically instruct the immune system of people to be protective against new variants. How effective is it compared to Pfizer and AstraZeneca? We hear percentages in the 90s for the most part. Does Moderna stack up the same way? Yeah. I mean, the two mRNA vaccines really in all the published and peer-reviewed trials have had very, very similar numbers. Now we know that these vaccines don't necessarily stop us from transmitting the COVID viruses, but it does prevent us from getting very sick and dying from it. Do we know if Moderna has shown that it has had some impact on transmissibility? Broadly speaking, the viral load or more generally the infectious agent load in a person will be lower if they have been vaccinated. And it could be up to the point where basically they will never have any detectable infectious agent in them because they're so quick in knocking it down. It really depends on the strength of the immune response in the individual and how divergent the virus has become compared to what the vaccination originally was against as to whether a vaccinated person will be infectious or not and to what degree. The Department of Health has advised that the Moderna vaccine will be rolled out via the community pharmacy program and workplace vaccination programs, leaving GPs to focus on distributing AstraZeneca and Pfizer. But Moderna isn't the only vaccine that could be added to Australia's arsenal against COVID-19. The Novavax vaccine is also currently being assessed for use here, possibly later this year, according to the Australian Government Department of Health website. They're estimating that we'll have access to 51 million doses of it if it passes the TGA approval process. It's a protein vaccine, which is different to both the AstraZeneca viral vector vaccine and the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA versions. It uses a non-infectious component of the coronavirus, usually the spike protein, to stimulate an immune response. A recent survey by the Federal Health Department shows that 79% of Australians are now willing to get, or have already gotten their jab, up 7% since the last survey in July. 
Hopefully, with access to more vaccines and the willingness of Aussies to get vaccinated on the increase, we can pull ourselves out from ranking 35th out of 38 countries in the OECD for our vaccine rollout performance. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you're keen to shoot us some feedback on the show, we'd love to hear what you think. Like ALW171, who wrote, I usually hate listening to the news, but I love this. I like hearing the headlines so I know what's happening in the world. Bushman768, who was disappointed that we mentioned the COVID vaccine in the breastfeeding episode. Or Why Now, who wrote that they love the highly qualified, credible experts that speak on the show. If you have some feedback, just rate and review us in your favourite podcast app. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.